Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, we're talking about Christmas. Here comes Christmas. Uh, we're in it, okay? We're, we're during Christmas season. It's, it's, we talked about last week uh, that Christmas is a feeling for a lot of people. They don't really know what to put it to, like, like a meaning in their life. So it's a feeling. It's, a, it's time, most wonderful time of the year. It's lights and music and movies and all those kinds of things. But we know for Christians that Christmas is what? It's Christ. It's Christ Jesus. And we talked about Christ, that Christ this is the Greek, okay? I don't write Greek, but there's people in here Greek. Jimmy's in here Greek, and sometimes he'll help me or correct me or whatever on my Greek. But the word Christ is Christos. Christos. Can everybody say Christos? Yeah, that's how we say Christos. And Christos in Greek really just means the anointed one. I talked about last week that the anointing is really uh, when you anoint your hands, like if I have dry, ashy skin or something, then I take some salve or some balm and I rub it in right, to my skin, and I anoint it with, I anoint it. So it's not just about the rubbing in, it's what I'm anointing it with, because I told you the funny story that I was anointing, I was rubbing in body lotion on accident, because I didn't have my glasses on, every single body wash, yeah, like every single Sunday body wash, yeah, every single Sunday I had it in my compartment in my car, and I'm wondering, why is my hands all greasy, and then one day Tiffany looked at it and said, well, you're rubbing body wash into your you know, but put on your glasses, David, and quit doing that. Do you know sometimes we try to rub things into our dryness and we wonder why it doesn't work? It's not just about anointing yourself. It's about anointing yourself with the right thing. Well, Jesus wasn't just anointed. He was anointed with something. He was anointed with. Now, and I want to tell you about that. The word Christ is such a big deal because it's not Jesus' last name. It just means that Jesus, the Savior, was anointed with something. He was anointed, and it's used 569 times in the New Testament. Talked a little bit about Jesus of Nazareth, but once the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus of Nazareth, he became Jesus the Christ, or Jesus the anointed one. Now, the equivalent of the word Christ is the Messiah. Can everybody say Messiah? Yeah, we just sang about the Messiah. That would be in the Hebrew. So the word the Christ, the anointed one, would be the same thing as the Messiah. By the way, uh, do you see that X? That's the, uh, the, the Greek letter he, okay, he, sort of like Bach, like at the end, Bach, okay, he, say, say he, a little Greek lesson, okay. But when people say Merry Xmas, and they say they're trying to cross Christ out of Christmas, well, really, they're just abbreviating Christ, okay. Now, by the way, don't X out Christ. I still don't X out Christ, because I, I don't know Greek, right? So, but that's really originally what it came from. It just came from, they're abbreviating Christ with an X, okay, Merry Xmas on that, and so... Um, so that is what the equivalent of Christ is the Messiah. Now, Jesus told about when he started his ministry, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the Bible says that he was baptized in water, but then do you remember the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove? And then the voice of the Father came. And that's really where you see the Trinity. It's one of the places you see right there that you see Father's voice, you see the Holy Spirit, and you see Jesus all in one at that particular uh, place. Well, what was he anointed with? He was anointed, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Well, after that, he went into the city of Nazareth. He found the scrolls and he opened up to the book of Isaiah chapter 60 
And he, we read it in Luke chapter four and it says this, let's all say it together. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I want you to notice it says it really twice. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's what he was anointed with, right? The spirit of the Lord. So what was he anointed with? The spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord anointed him. It's really important to know not just that he was anointed, but what was he anointed with and what was he anointed for? What was he anointed with and what was he anointed for? Well, this, this verse tells what he was anointed. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and with? So when we say, people go, I don't understand that church term, the anointing. It's not a church term. You could, again, you could anoint your hands with lotion. You could anoint yourself with baby oil, right? No, Jesus was just anointed. He had the Holy Spirit and what? The Holy Spirit and power. So when we talk about the anointing, what are we talking about? The Holy Spirit and power. The Holy Spirit and power. When we talk about we're anointed, well, we say, well, that's Jesus. Yeah, but remember Jesus said before you go out and witness... In Acts chapter one, he said, go and wait for the promise of the spirit. And what did he say? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he, he, uh, he allows that same anointing and Holy Spirit power to come upon us. In fact, he doesn't only allow it, he commanded it. He said, when you're saved, make sure that you have the Holy Spirit and the power come upon you. And notice we asked the question, what was he anointed with? But then what was he anointed for? What was he anointed for? You know, you can, you can have all this power, but was it just to show off so that Jesus can be the su- first superhero? No, he was anointed for, he says, he went about doing good. Somebody say, doing good. Do you know that Jesus was anointed to do good? Sometimes we think, ah, that's the little stuff. He was anointed to do good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Do you know that Jesus cares about people who've been oppressed by the devil? Notice he didn't just say he comes to release them of their oppression. It says he comes to heal the people who, you may have been oppressed by the devil 10 years ago and you still have wounds going on. But Jesus' anointing is to, is to not only take the oppression off, but heal the wound that resulted in the oppression, right? So that's what it was for. So that's what Jesus is. He, he came, the anointing, the Holy Spirit power, and it was uh, for both of those things. Um, the Holy Spirit power, and he was anointed for doing good. Now, let me tell you, uh, show you a similar verse. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was, say it with me, to destroy the devil's work. Well, what is the devil's work? Well, you know what the devil's work is, right? How many have ever seen the devil's work? The, the reason Jesus came, the reason Jesus was anointed was to destroy the devil's work. Let me show you another verse. The thief comes only, read it with me, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus, why was he anointed? Right here. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. So Jesus, Jesus wants to take away the oppression that the enemies put on you. Jesus wants to take away the sickness, the bondage, the mess, the stuff that you're going through. And Jesus wants to bring you what? Life. He says, and notice the the verse could have stopped to save some room, but he says, and have it to the full. Jesus said, I don't want to just give you life. I want to give you full life while I'm at it. I just want to go for it and give you full life. How many will receive the full life of the Lord? 
Okay, so who is the Messiah? Who is the Messiah, we're asking? Well, it's the anointed one, okay? Jesus explains himself. When he came, uh, you know, some, some may wonder, does Jesus realize how anointed he was? Well, of course he does. Jesus explains himself here in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. It says this, and, and beginning at Moses, Moses would represent in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, or we would say the law, or we would say Matthew, or we would say, excuse me, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So when it refers to Moses, that's the books that Moses wrote, okay? So he says, beginning at Moses, Jesus opened up, and, and all the prophets, that's all the major prophets and the minor prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the, the things concerning himself, can you imagine opening up all these scrolls and all this stuff in the Bible and you're finding yourself in it? I know we do that in the Bible right now about ourselves, right? <laughs> we, we, that's me. No, but Jesus, it really was him. Like, like he's like, that is me. Whoa, read that again. That sounds like me. Yeah, it was you, Jesus. <laughs> you are the son of God. You're the, you're the Messiah. You're the, okay. So he expounded all things. What things did he say about himself. What things did Jesus expound about himself? Well, it says beginning at Moses. Do you know that back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, if we were to look back at the very, very beginning, God created man without sin, right? And as soon as man sinned, man was separated from God. It wasn't that man was separated from God. It was man took on sin and God couldn't join himself to sin because he's a sinless God, right? And so there was a gap between man and between God. And so what happened? Uh, the, 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 you know, God came to Adam and he said, hey, what is this that you've done? He says, the woman you gave me, right? Then the woman comes over and she says, it's the serpent that was in the tree. They all blame game, right? They're all shifting it over. Well, they came to the serpent and God spoke to each one of them. Well, here's what he says to the serpent. Here's what he says to the serpent who we know, somebody, somebody said, well, how do we know the serpent Satan? Well, because in the book of Revelation, it says uh, the devil, that serpent of old. Okay, so the serpent was Okay, that's who he's speaking to. And he says here, this is what God told the serpent right when he caused man to, to sin. This is what he said. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed, and in your Bibles, you'll see it says her seed, but that seed's capitalized in your Bibles. See, because right away, as soon as Satan took man out, he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's like God called Satan out into the back alley, like right away. He just said, hey, okay, you did this to, you done this to me? You watch what's gonna happen. There's gonna be, he prophet, the very first prophecy of Jesus was right after that happened. He said, here's what's gonna happen. Here's a few more, here's a few more. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. Again, we're talking about Jesus, the Messiah who's coming, okay? These were the, some of the prophecies, some of the key ones. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among the brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. Does anyone in here, can you think of something that Jesus would say that he spoke the words of God? Anyone think of something? Remember where he said, he said, I only speak what my father speaks? Yeah. 
Well, why? He was fulfilling prophecy. He said, I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded. Look here in the book of Isaiah. This is one of the prophets, right? Major prophet. Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself, by the way, why am I showing you this? These are some of the things that Jesus was expounding to them about himself. I believe he opened up these scriptures and was showing these things. Look at, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Well, that's, Sounds like a fairy tale, but it happened. He says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. I always like to remind myself that it's not God visited us. He didn't come visit us and we remember that guy. No, he, he said, I'll, behold, I'm with you always. When he came, he said, I'll never leave again. Like, it ain't going to happen again. I, I, my presence had to leave you before, but I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you again. Right? That's what Emmanuel means. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Okay, it says this. Read this with me. For unto us a child is born. Right? And then he says, and his name will be called. Jesus has a lot of names, by the way. Look at this. Wonderful. Say it with me. Wonderful. Counselor, notice what his name will be called, Mighty God. How many prophets or how many people do you see that are born that are called Mighty God? No, an Everlasting Father, a child called Everlasting, hey, it's my child, let's call him Everlasting Father. No, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why? Because this was about the Messiah. And then we see in the book of Micah, Micah chapter five, verse two, but you, Bethlehem. See, Bethlehem was the most unlikely place that a king would be born, that the Messiah would be born. But he says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are little, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one. Somebody say the one. Yeah. To be the ruler in Israel whose, notice this, whose goings, for, whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. From everlasting. In other words, he was born now, but he, was, he existed then. He existed when? All the way, everlasting, all the way back. That's just an unlikely thing. For hundreds of years, everyone was waiting on the Messiah. For hundreds of years, you know, there are Jewish people, some who, many who are still waiting on the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. How do we know that Jesus is proof of the Messiah? What's the biggest event that's the proof that he is the Messiah? The resurrection. It's the resurrection. That's why when we talk about, uh, you know, the Easter time or Resurrection Sunday, we don't just say it's about the death and burial of Jesus. We say it's about the death, the burial, and the... Because the resurrection was the proof, the grand finale, the proof that he really was the son of God. Because you don't, you don't go and you're gone three days and you come back, right? That was the proof. And so we see here, for hundreds of years, everyone is waiting on the Messiah. Um, they're all waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. I thought, think maybe that's when the song was, was written. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You think that was written back? No, 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 I know that's by you too. That's by you too. In fact, I was looking at some of those words with you too. It says, I have climbed the highest mountain. I have run through the fields only to be with you. Only to be with you. He says, I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls these city walls only to be with you. And what's the next words? But I still haven't found 
what I'm looking for. You know, that was a big hit back years ago. But I'll tell you what, today it's still the feeling of our society. I've scaled walls. I've gone to depths. I've searched everywhere. I've tried to make it happen, but I still, what, haven't found what I'm looking for. Do you know everyone's looking for the Messiah? Everyone's looking for the Messiah. Everyone's looking for the Lord. Yesterday's reading, I opened up to the book of John. By the way, if you don't read the Bible with us, would you grab a bookmark and start reading? Grab a journal. In two weeks, we have Journal Sunday. We're giving free journals out uh, to those who will come uh, on, on New Year's Eve and start your New Year's the, uh, the right way. But yesterday, we opened up to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and I want to read to you a couple of verses out of John chapter 1 about there, there are all these people in the New Testament, these are the disciples of Jesus, they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on the Messiah. Why? Because the Messiah had been prophesied through these and many, many other scriptures, the other scripture, many, many other scriptures. Let me see if I got that one right. Okay, there we go. So this was one, John chapter one, verse 40, it says this. Then one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. So we're talking about Andrew. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Somebody say, we have found the Messiah. I want you to notice what happened with Andrew. Andrew found the Messiah, and then he went to look for the person who was, very, who was closest to him, and he found his brother. I'm going to show you a little pattern here just in these couple of things. He found the Messiah. Why? Because he found what he was looking for. And then what did he do? He went and found the person that was closest to him. He went and found the person that was closest to him. He found his brother Simon and he said to them, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought the person who really his brother, who he walked with, he brought him to Jesus. Once he found the Messiah, he brought him to Jesus. And then look at just a couple of verses later. It says here that Philip found Nathanael. So the first one, Andrew found Peter after he found the Messiah. Look at this. Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, we have found him. I want you to notice again that as soon as Philip found the Messiah, what did he do? He, go found, he went and found someone that he needed to tell when I said, are you really, have you ever found the last thing you're really excited about? Do you know, I don't think people have a, a difficult time sharing Jesus with people. I think it's people have a difficult time being excited about the Messiah because we get so common. He's just someone in our lives that's we're, we're calm. That's why the psalmist said, again, restore unto me the joy. Look at Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? By the way, when you tell people about Jesus, not everybody's excited about it. Right? And what, what does it say that he got discouraged and walked away? No, he, Philip looked at him and he said, come and see. Come and see. What was he doing? He was excited. He was like, you got to come get a taste test of this. By the way, God does taste tests. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? I know sometimes people say, well, I don't really know about all that stuff. What's a good thing to say? Come and see. Try him out. Right? Try him out. I believe the Lord may be ministering to some of you right now that there's some people that you need to go back and tell. Come and see. Because they need Jesus in their life. 
Philip found Nathaniel. Andrew found Peter as soon as he found Jesus. And then we, we read today. I got up this morning and I read this today and I thought, I got to throw this in. John chapter 4, today, the woman at the well who is a Samaritan. And the woman at the well, she said this, I know the Messiah is coming. <laughs> Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, by the way, the Messiah is coming. She says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And what did Jesus say? I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Look at this. We've, we look down in verse 28. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. What village? The village she lived in. She ran back to the, see, when you meet the Messiah, when you meet who you've been looking for, you're going to go tell, it's not going to be hard for you to tell somebody. I don't think we need to have witnessing classes. Tell someone how to tell your story and what Jesus has done in your life. When you really found the transformational Christ, Jesus, the Messiah in your life, it's going to be easy to share him. What happened? Well, immediately the woman left her water jar. <laughs> it's like she, she, she left something behind uh, her well. And she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Well, that's how she felt. And it says, could he possibly be the Messiah? I want you to notice this last part here. So what happened? The people, read it with me. The people came streaming Streaming from the village to see him. Streaming from the village to see him. The woman at the well. See, when you've met Jesus in your life, when you've encountered the presence of the anointed one who set you free, what's going to happen? Everything's going to change. And it's going to lead you to go lead other people. When you have an experience with Jesus, I, I was just journaling on this yesterday. This is in my journal. I'm just going to read to you the ending of my journal here. It says, I just wrote down to myself. I didn't know I was going to share this today. When you ex have an experience with Jesus and come to realize who he really is, David, your heart's desire naturally will be to tell those closest to you. Nate, you can come up and your heart's desire naturally is going to be to tell those closest to you. Tell the people you really love. Why? Because when you're excited about something that changed your life, you're going to be really excited about something that's going to change someone else's life. I just wrote, when we have found the answer, what we're looking for, our hearts want to tell those we love that he's the Messiah. Everything you've been searching for in life, everyone is searching. I don't know if you've heard this before, but... We, we've done a lot of puzzles around my house because we have, we have four offspring, okay? I don't want to say kids. They're not all kids anymore. We have four kids, and uh, we have puzzles. And there's almost nothing more difficult than to go through all the work of a whole puzzle, and you get to the end, and there's one missing piece. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. And then you find the piece under the table or you find it somewhere, but you're looking all over for the piece. Well, what's the big deal? You got the majority of the puzzle done. No, the puzzle's not complete. God created every person with a missing piece. 
He created all humanity with a missing piece in their heart that only Jesus could fill. And that's why man goes crazy trying to find these answers. And let me tell you, church, we have the answer. We have the Messiah. We just have to say, Lord, would you stir within us that excitement and that joy about what Jesus did for us in our lives again. And I think if we could just remember how much, where, where I would be the other night, we were sitting around our family table. We hadn't had a family dinner in a, in a while, a complete family dinner because our son David wasn't home. He was out, prodigal son, doing something else. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's, he was doing an internship, uh, loving God, doing something else. But he's back where he belongs. No, I'm kidding. No. no. But he was back, and we had a family dinner the other night because we realized it was the only night that we were going to have in the, you know, uh, the rest of the year or whatever that we were all going to be home just by ourselves with the family. So we sat down. And we went through this, what they would call at first, a stupid exercise of like, hey, I want you to uh, bless one another and just tell one another a couple of things that you really appreciate about them. And then something that you would change if you could. That was always fun. And I remember coming to my life and, you know, it's hard to talk about you and yourself, what you appreciate about yourself. And I remember stopping and I got choked up because I said, something that I am constantly aware of is where I would be without the Lord. And it keeps me humble. It keeps me, it keeps me in a place to recognize I don't, just, I don't just have a better life because of Jesus. I wouldn't be here without Jesus. I wouldn't be, I, I'm, I'm convinced of it. I would be dead. I'm convinced of it. If I didn't have Jesus, I wouldn't be alive. He's such a reality. And I'm not just saying in my life, I'm just saying, it, it, humility, by the way, is just a return to reality. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm humbling myself. I'm gonna humble myself. No, you're just gonna admit where you are. That's what humility is. Just being where God's created you to be. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to come under. Well, you should come under. It's where God put you. And humility is just coming back and recognizing without the blood of Jesus, without the sacrifice of Jesus, without Jesus' presence. That's why I'll tell you what, it's not hard for me to worship. I, 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 have, I can go into the deadest, driest church and have the greatest worship experience because I'm not dependent on external things for me to worship. I have the glory of God that's functioning inside of me. I had the glory of God functioning when I woke up this morning in my bedroom and I walked over into a, a next to a chair and I kneeled down and I opened up my heart to the Lord and the presence of the Lord was right there. Why? Because I just, I'm desperate for God. I need the Lord. Come on, let's open ourselves up. Would you do it just right where you're at? Open yourselves up. If you feel dry, if you feel like you've gotten complacent with your walk with the Lord, if you feel like you've gotten complacent with Christianity or with Jesus, with Christ, the person, I'm not talking about a faith that you have. I'm talking about a person that you have living on the inside of you. Would you say, Jesus, I open myself up to your presence. Jesus, I open myself up to your anointing. 
Jesus, I open myself up to your calling. Jesus, I open myself up. And I say, God, I receive your spirit. I receive your anointing. Just come on, just pray it out. I receive your presence fresh into my life. If you feel dry, just call it out. God, I feel dry. God, I need a touch from you. I need your spirit, Lord, pouring into my heart today. And Lord, just like the woman at the well, that she went back to her, where she, uh, in this village, and she told everyone, come and see. And it said that people came streaming from the village to see him. Father God, I pray that we would go out and share the love of Jesus into our communities. I pray that we would go and share the love of Jesus. Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. I pray that the love of Jesus would be poured out during this Christmas season, Lord, when so many are going through a diverse amount of things. And God, I pray that this house would be flooded with lost people who need the Messiah, who need Jesus in their life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. pray it in Jesus name the gospel is simply this that Jesus the son of God came down to this earth he lived a perfect life and then he died the death that you and I should have died because the Bible says in the book of Romans the wages of sin is death and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God the gift of God is eternal life Jesus died a death that we should have and he was rose again on the third day proving that he is the son of God. It says in the book of Romans that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, in other words, Jesus is the one I follow now. I don't follow me or other things. I repent of me and I follow Jesus. He said if we'll confess him as the Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. We'd receive salvation. One day, I believe soon and very soon, we're going to be standing before some type of judgment seat and there's going to be, he's going to open the scrolls and either our name is written in the Lamb's book of life or it's not, the Bible says. It's not. I want everyone's name to be written in the book of life today. So I'd like for us to say this today. Would you mean it with all of your heart? Say, Jesus. One more time, just open your heart. Say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. I confess you as my Lord and the Savior of my life. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were raised again on the third day for my salvation. And I thank you that from this day forward, I'm a believer. I'm born again. And that you welcome me into your family. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.